I wonder if you're the type of person who is decisive. Do you make good and quick yes or no decisions? Too often in life, I find it's actually quite easy to procrastinate though, isn't it? And to put off making decisions. Well, about seven years ago, as a family, we had a really key decision in life to make. We were deciding, shall we embark on a journey getting a four-legged friend? And we were walking around this town called Gainsborough in Lincolnshire. We'd made the mistake of going to see some Border Collie puppies. And we'd really fallen in love with one of them. And we had to decide that day, are we going to get a puppy? Are we going to have a dog? So we were walking around, we sat and had a coffee, we were chatting this through... And we had to say either yes or no. The answer came back yes. And a few days later, we picked up this crazy bundle of colliness that's been with us ever since. But that was the start of the journey with the dog. We knew nothing about her at that point. We didn't know her character, what she was going to turn out like. We had just decided to say yes. And every day since that day, we've had to make decisions to say yes to the dog to go out in the pouring rain, the howling wind, to make sure we pay for vet's bills, to make sure she gets the food that she needs. Because sometimes in life, we just have to make those decisions, don't we? Those yes or no decisions. And living within decision is actually not always a great place to be. A consistent theme through the scriptures is that God wants relationship with human beings. He wants to know us. He wants us to know the joy of knowing him as our Heavenly Father. That's what he made us for. And through Christ, the good news is that we can have that. And right from the dawn of time, what singles out human beings in creation is that we can make a thoughtful, mindful response to God. We can choose to follow him, to put our trust in him. Or we can say no and ignore him. So this evening, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11. It's another magnificent part of this great book. And we're still on the mountaintop, if you like. We're still viewing the effects, the impacts of the work of Christ, our high priest. If you were with us last week, when we were looking at chapter 10, we were looking at how the writer was saying, well, don't fall off the summit. You know, don't don't get to a place of abandoning the gospel. But this week, the mountaintop is a little bit different. I don't know if you're if you're into walking or climbing, but e- even if you're not and you've driven down the M56, you will notice that at the back of the Pennines, there is this great big hill that has a flat top and it's called Kinder. And if you climb it, it's quite difficult to actually walk up it. But once you get to the top, you're not met with the kind of child's view of a mountain summit, you know, the sort of jiggity jaggity thing. You're, you're actually met with a plateau. This flat land that goes on for, for quite a long time. There should be a picture on your screen of it covered in snow. It's a bit of an amazing place. It's full of gullies and it's flat, but it, it goes on for quite some time. And Hebrews 11 is like, we've climbed up the mountain, we're on a plateau, but now we look ahead and see walking ahead of us a load of heroes of the faith who have gone before. So if you've got a Bible in front of you, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read the first three verses and then read from verse 33 to 40. But then what we'll actually do is we'll actually look through the whole of the passage. So if you have a Bible, whether it's a a print one or on your phone or wherever, um, do keep this passage open because we will be referencing the whole lot. So I'm reading this evening from the ESV translation. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation, By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things 
that are visible. And then reading down from verse 32, actually, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their, their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they may rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Let's just reflect in prayer, shall we, before we unpack these verses together. Lord, we thank you that you call us into relationship with you. We thank you that so far in Hebrews we have found that Jesus, you are our high priest, our once for all sacrifice. And through you we can have access to the very holy place. And so, Lord, as we continue to explore in this great book, would you just open our eyes to what it is your spirit might be saying to us this evening. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. This passage really highlights that it's through faith that we are able to approach God. It it is faith in God, faith in the work of Christ that saves us. Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift from God. And faith is, if you like, the human response to the work of God in Christ. And we know that we know God through Christ. We know God through grace, by faith, through grace alone. And this was one of the key beliefs that the reformers 500 years ago started rebringing into the church. So the likes of Martin Luther, John Calvin, Heinrich Zwingli, and a number of other people, they realised that actually reading the Bible, we are saved through faith. In the thousand years before that, actually, the church had been teaching all kinds of things, that you reach God through through um, various sort of confessions or penance or through honouring sacred relics and all kinds of different things. And these reformers came back and said, actually, this is not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's through faith, by grace, that we are saved. And so this le- has led to all kinds of practical outworkings, if you like, in how we think about our Christian life. When we talk about things like responding to God, it's about coming to God in faith. We might talk about an altar call, you know, encouraging people to, when we're actually able to meet together, to get out of their seats and make an active response to God. We talk about people praying prayers of commitment or rededication to God. And it's all rooted in that basic concept that we find in verse 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the only way to approach God is through faith. We say yes to Jesus when we initially follow him. We start the journey. We start the race, as Paul would say. But then it's an ongoing response to Jesus, that deeper level as the Spirit changes and transforms us. Verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
I wonder, as we read some of the verses from this passage, whether that describes you this evening. Do you believe in Jesus and his saving work? If deep inside of you and all the stress and the strain of this world is sort of peeled back, do you find yourself having that unshakable hope of eternity? You know, if that is you this evening, then this chapter is about what is going on in our lives. But if that isn't you, if you're not sure yet whether you've you've said yes to, to that initial call of Jesus to follow him, can I encourage you to explore the Alpha course that is coming up later this month. If you look on our YouTube channel, there is a, a video outlining what that course will be about, just to explore what it means to have faith in Jesus. But let's just take a step back just for a moment and say, well, actually, what is faith? What does this word actually mean? Well, the word that we have in our English Bibles um, that comes across as faith is from a Greek word, pistis. And it means to believe in, to trust in. It even means to have loyalty towards. But I think sometimes as Christians, it can be very easy to kind of confuse faith in Jesus with some kind of faith in faith itself. Tom Wright puts it like this. He says, we are not saved by faith in justification by faith, but we are saved by faith in Jesus. We are not saved through knowing the right things, but we're saved through knowing the right person, and that person is Christ, after which, of course, we can learn all the right things about him. And all through Jesus's ministry, what we see is people after people responding to Jesus in some kind of faith. People are healed, people are saved, the the dead are brought back to life. If you think of some of the accounts of when Jesus encountered people, there's a woman who comes to Jesus and she's been suffering from bleeding for many years and she just reaches out in faith to him, grabs his garment and is immediately healed. Or the centurion who is commended as having the greatest faith Jesus has seen in Israel. Or there is the thief on the cross who simply cries out to Jesus in his own agony, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, none of these, from what we gather, really understood much about who Jesus was. And certainly the thief on the cross had no chance. He had not, there was not enough of life left to get all his thinking sorted out. But actually what he did was he just reached out to Jesus. He saw in Christ that there was somebody who could change his reality. And he simply said yes to that change. John 6, verse 68 Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Faith is about seeing who Christ is and simply saying yes to him. So let's look at what else the writer says. By faith, by belief, by trust, by loyalty to, the people of old received their commendation. Simply by putting into practice what God has said, people were commended by God for that. And then verse 3, we get a slightly different point. But in a sense, it needs to be a foundational point to understanding the rest of the chapter. It says, by faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God. And I think it's here that the writer wants us to be under no um, sort of doubt that we're actually saying yes to the right person. And in doing so, he takes a bit of a side sweep at some of the pagan religions of the day that actually suggested the world was made out of sort of pre-existent matter. And what the writer here, he says, no, not at all. You're worshipping, you're saying yes to the creator of the heaven and earth who spoke the universe into being. But let's just pause for a moment on this verse because I think there is something significant here in light of where we are at the moment. 
We're living through some really quite difficult times, aren't we, with the pandemic? And just these last couple of weeks, there have been those terrible events in the US. And then with the backdrop always behind us of, of environmental catastrophe and of climate change. John Calvin comments on this verse here. He says, if God should withdraw his hand a little, all would immediately perish and dissolve into nothing. And so just before we move on here, there is a reminder that actually we are called to steward God's world and to take care of it. We don't have the first word over creation and we certainly don't have the last. And I think it's really important that as we think about our response to God, that is the basis of our discussions. This world is not our plaything. Its people are not ours to abuse. It is God's world and it is ours to look after. But that means having God's agenda, doesn't it? To stand against injustice and discrimination whenever we find it. Such views of discrimination have no place in the kingdom of God. God calls us to say yes to his ways and no to the ways of greed and injustice. So what is faith? Well, it's simply saying yes to the creator of the heaven and earth made knowable to us through Jesus Christ. When I used to work as a, a piano teacher, one of the things that I had to do was to teach music theory. And because if you want to go beyond grade five on an instrument, you have to do a grade five theory exam. And on, on lots of occasions, I can remember people who were really quite good at playing and wanted to go beyond sort of grade five, up to six, seven and eight. And I'd say to them, look, we've got to do music theory. We, we've got to learn about scales and chords and how to write music out and all these fancy Italian terms. And I could see, if you like, the shutters of boredom coming down on people's faces. People would just glaze over at this point. Because music theory, on its own, without playing music, without listening to music, without writing music, is really about as exciting as reading a dictionary. You know, that you might learn something from it, but it's not really of any practical use. But the minute you link it in with playing, or writing, or listening, the whole thing starts to come alive, and you start to understand that the whole thing works together. And as a teacher, I can remember thinking, you know, if I can get those two things to join together in somebody's mind, if I can get them to see that these things work together then we're getting somewhere. And it was a sort of real joy, actually, as a teacher to see when the moment clicked and people realised that the two things go hand in hand. So what we've got in verses 1 to 3 is just a little bit of theory about what faith is about. Just a little bit. It's not the full picture we could carry on all night just looking at what faith is. But it's as if the writer says, well, enough theory for the moment. Let's see how this works in practice. Let's see what faith actually does in the lives of genuine human beings. And so we're going to learn, if you like, on the job for the rest of the chapter. So faith is saying yes to God little by little. And it's as if we're now getting a scene change. So imagine we're now coming to a theatre. And the rest of the chapter, we have, if you like, three different scenes that will change. As we're looking at some of the heroes of old, those who are ahead of us on the plateau, those who climbed up the summit and can see... Beyond. So we're going to enter at scene one, where we're going to look at faith and righteousness. So if you have your Bible open, just look at verses four down to verse seven. And we've got three Old Testament characters who enter, Abel, Enoch and Noah. And these are all people who give us the example of faith worked out in right living. So Abel, whose sacrifice here, the writer comments, was acceptable because he lived the way God wanted him to. Enoch, 
don't know if you remember him from a few weeks back. We mentioned him when we were talking about Melchizedek. Enoch, there were, there were loads of books written at the time um, of the sort of first century about Enoch, sort of speculative books. But the writer won't have anything to do with that. He takes us right back to Genesis 5, where it says Enoch was so close to God that he didn't have to die, but he just went directly into God's presence. And finally, Noah in verse 7. When God destroys humanity in the flood, Noah and his family are saved. Noah is a righteous man. He lives in the way God wants him to. And he also demonstrates his faith in the words of God by building this great big ark when there doesn't seem to be any need for it. And so what we find here is faith is not an abstract set of beliefs. It's not a vague idea of God, but it's saying yes to God's ways. Yes to more of God in our life. Yes to the practical outworkings. See, when I look at my own life today, when you look at your life, I wonder if you have evidence in your life of righteous living, of ways that you've changed because you said yes to Jesus and yes to his priorities, of living more closely with God. We've not seen many aircraft in the sky over recent weeks, but when you do, one thing I always like to watch is the vapour trail. You know, that goes across the sky and you can see the evidence of where the plane has been. And in a sense, that is what faith is a bit like. You know, right living doesn't produce faith. Right living doesn't get us close to God. But saying yes to God, following Jesus closely, produces right living. It produces righteous behaviour. And so the evidence trail behind us should stretch out saying, you know, we belong to Jesus and we're living like he wants us to. But we're not to understand this passage in a sense that it's about self-righteousness or producing some kind of evidence. This, This is not about grand displays of look at me. But it's simply about the Spirit transforming our hearts by faith so that we too produce the evidence in our lives. There's now a scene change, verses 8 to 17, if you want to follow. And this is about now some people who have had experiences of faith in terms of going on a journey, in some cases a literal journey, in some cases really through the journey of life. And we we get some great heroes of the faith come in now. Abraham, the patriarch, the one who left Ur of the Chaldeans in Genesis chapter 11, called by God to go, having no real idea what that meant, but just hearing and being obedient. He journeyed with God and so did his descendants, Isaac and Jacob. Verse 11, his wife Sarah gets a mention because she is a hero Because God said to her, you're going to have a child. But it was at an age where childbearing was not um, normal. So she was past childbearing age and God says, you're going to have a child. And she believes in God at that point. These were people who, when God said, do something, believe something, kept saying yes to him. Whether that's traveling hundreds of miles, whether that's preparing to have a baby in old age. I wonder if God has spoken to you in your life. You know, I firmly believe that God does speak to us and he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us by his spirit. He speaks to us through circumstances and situations. And occasionally he may speak to us through a prophetic word. Occasionally he may even speak to us through an audible voice. But has God said something to you today? Has God called you in some way? Because you see, faith works itself out in how we live. On Sunday mornings, we're exploring the book of Jonah. And Jonah, not surprisingly really, doesn't make it to the list of great heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. Why? 
Well, because God called him and he ran off in the other direction. But faith, the writer of the Hebrews wants us to know, is something that works out when we keep saying yes to God. So are there things that God has called you to do that at the moment you're you're still, if you like, wandering around trying to work out whether to say yes or no? Or perhaps you've said no, but actually you need to come back and say yes. Or perhaps you've said yes, if that's the case, then keep pressing in to all that God has for you. The third scene, verses 17 to 31. Abraham stays on the stage, but Jacob enters, Moses enters, as does Rahab. And we get to find people whose faith has been demonstrated through testing. Moses, through refusing to be called Pharaoh's daughter, by leaving Egypt, by faith in keeping the Passover and passing through the Red Sea. It says in verse 30 that the walls of Jericho fell by faith. If you remember that account where there, were, there was the marching round Jericho, playing the trumpets, and then suddenly the walls fall. But Rahab is saved through that. And then we read the next section and the pace quickens. It goes faster and faster. More and more layers of people are coming in, all of whom responded to God by faith, who said yes to God. I know there's lots here and time is running out and it's running out for us this evening as well. But just think about testing for a moment. We all go through times of testing, don't we? We all go through experiences in life that I think if we're honest, we would rather we hadn't gone through. And faith is about clinging on to God in those situations. When the earthly end of a situation is apparent, when you don't know what's coming next, will you cling on to God? Will you continue to say yes to God? One of the main sort of themes of this passage is that all these people saw a greater inheritance coming. They saw that God had something better for them. It says in verse 16, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. If today we're following God, if we're saying yes to him, if we're continuing to say yes, what an amazing hope that there is that eternity for us. Read the end of the book of Revelation, those images of the city of God. So what have we learnt about faith here? Well, faith is how we enter into relationship with God. It's what God has always desired for people to, to believe him, to trust him, to keep saying yes to him. Faith isn't a work. You know, we need to be very careful here. It can be easy to read this passage and think, you know, bad Christian must try harder, must try and believe more closely. You know, every relationship in life that is worth having is rooted actually in, in faith in each other, whether it's a marriage relationship, a friendship or an employee-employer relationship. And faith underpins everything in terms of our relationship with God. It's through faith that we are saved by grace. And just finally, one thing I, I've often heard said about faith is that faith is a bit like a muscle. You know, the more we trust God, the more we find we're able to. The more we say yes to Jesus, the more we find we're able to. The more we put into practice the teachings of Jesus, the more we find we're able to and the more we want to. And so I wonder if this evening, perhaps you're still like we were when we were making that decision to get the dog, wandering round, is it a yes or is it a no? Are we still in the place of maybe? You know, God calls us to keep approaching him in faith, to keep saying yes to him, to let our faith in Christ permeate everything in our lives. 
Let's make it our desire this evening to keep saying yes, to keep pressing in, and to follow the example of these women and men of old, these heroes of the faith. Do join us in a moment on our Zoom chat. It'd be great to chat some of these things through about what it means to have faith and what it means to follow more closely. But before we do that, let me just pray for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you call us to follow you by faith. Thank you that it's not by works, it's not through doing things, but it's just simply saying yes to you. And I pray that in each of our lives this evening, that that yes will resound deeply, that you will transform us and change us more and more to be like you. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. So just as we draw our time to a close and before our Zoom starts, we're just going to listen to this song that reminds us, firstly, that we respond to, to Christ through faith and then that he is our faithful one. Straight. 